all creation I sing. Praise to the King of kings. You are my everything. And I will adore you. Wow. Mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So, wasn't it fun to watch this morning our friend, our sweet friend Taylor get baptized this morning? Wasn't that awesome? Yes. So you be sure you come see Taylor at the end of the service and hug her neck. She likes neck huggings, so come see her. Well, I'm Derek Hartley. It's my, my privilege to be speaking to you this morning here at Worship in the Hall at First Baptist Church. Um, we are uh, we're in the middle, middle of a sermon series. I just want to remind you just real quick what, how this all came about. Um, Brother Fred had open heart surgery. I'm not talking about they went in through some veins in his leg or whatever and kind of sneaked up in there and put a, did some work, which is significant in its own right. I'm talking about they opened up his chest and went in and worked on his heart. And in that process, the recovery, uh, God laid, in, laid on him this conviction that we need to be we need to renew our passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Something about that process. And he has come back and he is, uh, God has laid on his heart this vision for our church. And I want you to know in, in about, in a time frame of about 14 weeks, there have been over 20 baptisms at First Baptist Church in that time. Praise God. 20 baptisms, 20 folks who said, okay, yes to Jesus. And others have said yes to Jesus, and we have, they haven't baptized them yet. They're still to come. And more and more, it continues to happen. It continues to happen. So in this process, Brother Fred, the uh, Holy Spirit gave to Brother Fred this sort of analogy of a spear. And I just want to remind you of that real quick, what this spear analogy is. Here is, okay, let me, let me do this. Here's the vision statement at First Baptist Church. I know all of you have this memorized. But it's this. We believe we exist to glorify God by attracting and winning people to faith in Jesus Christ. By nurturing, in, nurturing in the, them in our family of faith. By leading them to Christ-like maturity. And by, and by involving them in meaningful ministry. That is the vision statement of of First Baptist Church, which that's a lot. So if you go out to lunch and somebody says, hey, what does your church believe? That's a lot to remember. But you can remember this. Oh, it's not on here. <laughs> Knowing. Oh, yes, it is. Thank you. Someone, Ben Haywood, made this awesome new logo. Well, you can see it right there in the top right-hand corner. First Baptist of Blairsville. Knowing. Being going we want to be about knowing jesus being with him in relationship and out of that relationship going into the world that's what first baptist is about but the long the long laid out vision statement is what i what i said to you we believe we exist to glorify god by attracting and winning people to faith in jesus christ by nurturing them in our family of faith 
by leading them to Christ-like maturity and by involving them in meaningful ministry, knowing, being, and going. So, Brother Fred said, in order for this, the very point of that is, on our spear, is reaching the lost for Christ. And, on the head, and, and for us, a very significant par, portion of reaching the lost for Christ is families with children still at home. What we understand is that the likelihood of someone coming to know Christ after the age of 21, it, the, the percentages take a dip, a, a dip and they go way down. So in our culture, in our specific culture, it's very, very important for us to be reaching families with children still at home. That doesn't mean that other people are less important to win to Christ. No, 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 no. We just understand the significance of the time frame in our culture. Does that make sense? For, for reaching families with children home. Okay, so, so here are just several things on our spear handle that we've been involved in at First Baptist Church in this sermon series about this renewed emphasis on the gospel. We've had, we've had a, 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 an awareness initiative where we ask the Holy Spirit to make us aware of the lost people around us. You know, a lot of people come to church just insulate themselves. We come here to get away from bad people. We insulate ourselves from the loss in our world. We ask that Holy Spirit would make us very acutely aware of the loss around us and to be praying for them. We had a prayer initiative. And then we had an equipping gospel conversation, equipping folks with God for gospel conversation sort of training here. Where we understood, we, we, we explained what the gospel was. We said this is where it is in the Bible, which you just, just open the Bible and start reading. You'll find the gospel. We talked about apps that you can download on your devices to use to share the gospel. Then we talked, then we talked about telling all that's wonderful. But the I, I'm talking about the best thing, tool in your toolbox for sharing the gospel is your story. You came to know Christ. What he meant, what he means to you. Where Jesus intersected with you in your life and you had a mind-blowing experience and said, I got to have that. When you came to that place, when you said, you know, um, I don't want to do this anymore on my own. I don't want to just, I don't want to have, for me, it's, I said, I don't want to have a Derek-driven life anymore. I want to have a Jesus-driven life. And I had that moment, that country music moment where I said, Jesus, take the wheel. You take it. You drive. You take my life. You don't have to have, and you don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to have that moment. And you say, okay, I don't know what all this looks like, Jesus, but I want you. You take my life. That story. And then we talked about having a partnership with First Baptist Church where we provide opportunities for people to hear the gospel where we provide opportunities uh, that are uh, uh, for fellowship where you bring your friends that you've been praying for to be introduced to the fellowship of the believer where they hear the gospel and have opportunity to respond when that happens our church will grow and we will need to be thinking creatively about our space our church is growing even now but here's the key what binds the spear head to the spear shaft, the binding is moving from theory to action. Moving from theory 
to action. And I'm going to tell you, the complaints, if you will, the complaints that we've had about this new initiative, this new focus, this new kind of just getting it back to the basics and making the main thing the main thing, the complaints that we have had have been there. You're asking me to do something? You're asking me to change? Uh-uh. Change is a four-letter word. I know change has more letters than that. But some people treat it like it's a four-letter word. And it's, that's, that's the point right there. So we've been talking about and preaching about and praying about and just being about a heart change. A metamorphosis at First Baptist Church. I, I, I'm talking about a lifestyle transformation of a church. Not behavior modification, but a metamorphosis from the inside out where people's hearts are broken for what breaks God's heart and it's the lost. Do you understand that God Almighty created every single human being on this planet so He could love them? And it breaks His heart when His creation rejects Him. He's patient. He's a patient God. But He's also a just God. And we want to talk a lot about in church the patient God, the loving God, the forgiving God. We want to want, we're really scared about talking about the just God, the righteous God, the holy God that will not exist in the presence of sin. So he goes to great, great, great lengths to provide a way. For us to be with him and we, he and when, when we reject that he is just and it's difficult to talk about but we must and today that's sort of the that's where we are today we're talking about another reason yet if you needed another reason to share the gospel here it is god's final judgment it's almost as uncomfortable to talk about as hell, the subject of hell. But judgment is for everyone. Now, wait a minute. You may be saying, no, wait a minute, Derek. I thought judgment was just for the, for the lost, those who rejected Christ. Well, ju no, judgment's for everyone, everyone. It looks different for believers and unbelievers. But it's for everyone. God has a final judgment and there are three judgments now you should have these blanks in your outline if you want to fill these in but there are three judgments that are talked about in the scripture okay the first one is called the judgment of the nations the judgment of the nations if you want to if, if that blank's not there I'm sorry can you, just, you can just write it down it was posed to be there Judgment of the nations. And the, and, the, and the scripture we're going to look here is at Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 36. All right? Here we go. When the Son of Man comes in his glory 
and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Okay? Before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separate. <laughs> Say that ten times. That's not easy. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food, and I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. And I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Now, Jesus isn't talking just about him. He's talking about everyone like him, everyone in that description who doesn't know Jesus, that, w that we who follow him go and love and accept and tell about Jesus and, and share the gospel. That's what he's talking about. So there's the judgment of the nations. That's where Jesus uh, separates the sheep from the goats who enters his kingdom. All right, then there's the, number two, the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. This is in, found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. This is what it says. For we must all, everybody, appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. There's a judgment seat of Christ. All right, so we, we have the, the judgment of the nations where there's a separation. And then there's a judgment seat of Christ where all, what we have done is judged, whether good or evil. And then finally, there's the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment. And this is where we're going to spend our time today. Look at Re Revelation verse 20, 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. I mean, just let that sort of sink in for a second. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Books were opened. And then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead and who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into that lake of fire. Okay. Today we're going to talk about the library of the lost, this heaven's ledgers, if you will. That's where we're going to focus. And it's, that's a lot. It's, there's, this is mind-stretching this morning. So let's pray. Listen. I'm going to pray, but while I'm praying, you pray. You pray the Holy Spirit would open your, 
mind, open everything that's eternal about you to hear this truth. Because this is truth, straight from the Word of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, here we are. Transform us. Transform us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's look up now. Let's look at these books that make up the Library of the Lost. Okay? Heaven's Ledgers. Book number one. I'm pretty sure this is in your bulletin. Yeah? Okay. I got a few. Good. It's called the Book of Members. Book number one is called the Book of Members. Look at Psalm 139, verse 16. Psalm 139, verse 16 says this. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written. Every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So what is the book of members? What is it about? This is the book that identifies you as you. You are, in God's eyes, not a number. You are uniquely created. Knit together in your mother's womb by the God of all creation. You are of great value. You are amazingly unique. There is no one not another like you. You might have a doppelganger or an identical twin, but identical twins are not really identical. They're real close, but they're not really identical. There is no one like you. There will be, there is no identity theft in the ledgers of heaven. No one's going to take your identity. You are uniquely you. God is intimately acquainted with a unique you. There will be no confusing you at the judgment. Your judgment is for you. You won't be lumped into a group. It will be you. There's no escaping it. It will be you. It will be me at the judgment. There is a book of members. There's also another book. It's called the book of words. The book of words. Look at Matthew 12, 36. This is going to sting. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. That's Jesus speaking. Jesus who's going to be sitting in the chair of judgment. And he's saying, I'm telling you, you're going to give account for every careless word you speak. Look, look also in Malachi, the Old Testament, chapter 3, verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. There is a book where our words are recorded. Every conversation, every curse 
Oh, Lord. For some of you, that was yesterday. For some of you, that was this morning. For some of you, that was in the car on the way here. Every curse, every complaint, every word of a critical spirit. I'm not talking about constructive criticism. I'm talking about a critical spirit. Every word of, a, of bitterness. Every word of gossip. Every word of slander. Every crude joke. Every sinful word meant to tear down or hurt another. It is all recorded in the book of words. And we will stand before Jesus and have to give an account for that. Then there is another book, book three. It's the book of tears. The book of tears. Look at Psalm 56, verse 8. Psalm 56, verse 8 says, You've kept count of my tossings. That's kind of an old way of saying things, isn't it? But you've kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? What is this about? What is this tears? Are these the tears you cried when you didn't get your way? Are these the tears you cried when your football team lost? Or won? What tears are these? What tears? It's the tear, Jesus, God, the Trinity, has kept account of your tears, of all your tossings, of all you being thrown about. What is this about? Hear the tears of every believer who has ever been persecuted, who's ever been wounded or maligned by the enemies of Christ, shout out accusingly. These are the tears we cry when we are persecuted because of righteousness. Jesus said, blessed are you when you're persecuted because of righteousness. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people lie on you, slander you, give false testimony because of your faith. For in the same way they did the prophets before you, same way they did Jesus. And I know those tears. They've not been cried in vain. I've caught them. I've got them in a bottle and recorded it in my book. Those who have spoken that against you, I've got it. Every child of God that you've caused to cry or to be brokenhearted by your wrongdoings, every time you came against a believer and caused them pain and agony, God has recorded their tears in His book. And we will give an account for those tears that we've caused. It's the book of tears. And then there's book number four. It's the book of thoughts. Look at Romans chapter 2, verse 16. Look, you know, this is just going to sting. This just stings today. On that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Now, this, these are your secret sins you know you didn't act on these but you thought it you, you didn't get caught you know it's, 
You know, in basketball, it's not a foul unless you get, unless the referee says it is, right? In football, it's not a penalty unless the referee throws a flag, right? No, it's still a penalty. It's still a foul. You just didn't get caught. Well, it's not, none of that happens when it comes to the great judgment. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says these things. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery is one of them. He said, I tell you, if you've thought lustfully about another person's spouse, then you've committed adultery. If you thought about it. Here's the thing. If you don't ever act on it, but these thoughts just continue to obsess in your mind and you can't get past it, it controls, it, it alters your behavior, then those sinful thoughts are controlling you and not God. Here's what I know. The battle for Derek begins in my mind. It begins in my mind. That's why the very first item in the armor of God, you know the armor of God. The first armor item in the armor is the helmet of salvation. There's the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sword of the Spirit, the shoes shod with the readiness of the gospel of the peace. There, and then there's the shield of faith. But the very first thing is the helmet of salvation. When those thoughts come, you put that helmet of salvation on. You remind yourself, I'm a child of God. It, I'm saved by grace. And I will put on, I will, I, I will put on the helmet of salvation because I have the mind of Christ. There's the book of thoughts. You may not physically done anything wrong, but you dwell on what you've done, or you dwell on what's been done to you, and it alters who you are, and it has control of you and not God. God has and he will record that in his book of thoughts. Then there's the book of, of number five, the book of deeds. The book of deeds. Finally got to it. Look at Revelation 20 verse 12. It says this, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And there was another book, it was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done every wicked wrong worldly deed ever committed that's not under the blood of Jesus is written in the book and we will be used in judgment here's the question we have to ask when all the books are opened and all the evidence is presented where will you stand where will you stand let me tell you, the truth is our lives have betrayed us. Our words, our thoughts, our deeds, they all say we're guilty. We're guilty. Not that we're innocent. We're guilty. Me, you, all of us, your grandmother, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, your first grade teacher, your first grade teacher's grandmother, we're all guilty. 
You either claim the blood of Jesus or you claim your own goodness. When you stand before a perfect, holy God who spoke and the universe came into being. That's where we are. You either rely on the blood of Jesus or your own goodness. You know, I heard it said I've heard it explained like this. When we come into when we <laughs> when we come into God God's presence with a list of all of our accomplishments trying to I don't know, impress him. It's like me walking into NASA with a paper airplane. I say look what I did. <laughs> But even worse, all right? In that earlier passage we read about the sheep and the goats, in, 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 the, in Matthew, Jesus is speaking. He said, there are those who are going to come to me and say, what? I, I did all this stuff for you. Uh, you know, I, I preached for you. I, I served for you. I, I, you could, I even told people about you. And Jesus would say, I, depart from me. I never knew you. You're a pretender. You're claiming your goodness and not the blood of Jesus. So finally, there's the book of life, book number six. We read about it in Revelation 20, verse 12. We've read that verse twice. It's about the book of life. But look in Philippians 4, verse 3. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Those who have loved Jesus and have served him out of a heart, out of a, out of a motivation of love because he has saved them. Their names are in the book of life. Those who are saved will find their names written in the Lamb's book of life. Those whose names are missing have their names written in the books of the library of the lost, but not in the book of life. Look, I'm going to tell you, my name has been in all of those books, the library of the lost. Right now, my name is still there in the book of the lost. Let me tell you, in the library of the lost, but let me tell you, Jesus has taken a pen, a red pen, red with his blood, and he's gone to that book, those books where my name is, and he's drawn a line through that, not anymore. And he's taken that pen, and he's gone over to the Lamb's book of life, and my name's written there now. Not because of anything I did, but because of what Jesus did. And that is the gospel. How can you know that your name is in the book of life?
It is the gospel. How do you know? It's this. It's this. It's this understanding that the Bible says, for all have sinned. Everyone, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our words, our thoughts, our deeds. And our names are now written in those books. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. What we earn from that behavior that gets our names written in heaven's ledgers, the, law, the library of the lost, what we deserve and get, or, or what we deserve is death. We read about that, and there's a first death that sends us to hell, went without Christ. And after the final judgment, there's the second death that sends us to the lake of fire. And it's awful, it's terrible. If you want to know about it, we preached a sermon on that two weeks ago. Go to www.epicvision.com and you can see the sermons in this series. But it's a horrible place. The wages of sin is death. But here's the good news. Here's the gospel. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise God. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus said, I've come into this world to save it, not to condemn it. If you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and that he's risen from the dead you will be saved and if you will do that today Jesus will take that red pen and go to those names your name in those books of the library of the lost and he'll write a line through it not anymore and he'll take his pen over to the Lamb's book of life this one said for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God that all means all and that's me number two believe like Roy said earlier that Jesus is who he says he is and he did what he said he did and he's coming back admit and believe that the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and that when Jesus came and lived a perfect life and then died on the cross to pardon 
to make you innocent, but to pardon you. When he did that, it was for you as much as it was for anyone else. You admit, then you believe, and then you trust. You trust Jesus with your life. Here's my life, Jesus. All of its brokenness, all of its imperfections, all of it. I'm not, here it is. Here it is. I've been watching this country music documentary on Georgia Public Broadcasting. And wow, it's just absolutely intriguing. Well, some one of the things that just has really just staggered me was the testimony of Chris Christopherson. Oh yeah, that guy. You know, he wrote me and Bobby McGee. He wrote Sunday Morning Coming Down. That guy. Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, Merle Haggard, these guys sing his songs. He's a way better songwriter than he is a singer. But he wrote this song called Why Me, Lord? In response to the day he went to church, Connie Smith said, come with me to church. And if Connie Smith asked you to go to church, you go to church. So she, he went with church, and he remembers. He said, I was at Evangel Temple in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was sitting there, and we'd been up all night because we'd played at Benefit and traveled all night coming back, and we just went to church. And the pastor was preaching, and he was talking about, have any of you, have any of you done, found yourself in this situation, and, and you understand that you're separated from God? And Chris Christopherson said, he looked over, he leaned over at Connie and said, and the preacher said, raise your hand. And I, he said, I remember looking at Connie and thinking, I've done no things, but I'm not raising my hand. Then next thing I knew, my hand went up. Just the way Chris Christopherson talks, you know. And then they, he said, all right, if you got your hand raised, why don't you come down front? Come down front and give your heart to Christ. He said, I got still had my hand in the air. And I looked at Connie and said, that'll never happen. And when I came to my senses, I was down front on my knees. Crying. He said, I was weeping. And I didn't know why. But I knew I needed something. And the pastor came over to me and said, Chris, do you want to get saved? He said, I didn't even know I needed to be saved. But I got saved. How about you? Do you know you need to be saved? You do. Your name needs to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So I'm inviting you today. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Oh, that'll never happen. What I'm going to ask you to do in a minute... As we, when we, as we stand, I'm going to ask you to come forward and say, I, I want that. And I'll tell you what, next, what happens next. We'll talk about admitting, believing, and trusting. Right here. And we'll pray. And your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Will you do that today? Will you come forward?
let's stand together and let's worship.